thanks for joining uh, me here at uh, Pastors Positive Mental Health Institute. As you see, I have yet another person that I'm interviewing, and I'm very thankful that he has joined us. I'll introduce him in a moment and let him talk about his work a little bit and who he is. And we're just uh, we're really just blessed to have him with us. But uh, what I would like to encourage you to do, if you find this beneficial, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. And uh, let ever, other people know the benefit that we have, that we're helping pastors and churches and church leaders so that we can actually flourish together and build one another up in love. And so we can do the kingdom work that he's called us to do in, in a time that is uh, more challenging, I think, um, than ever, especially in uh, in our context right now. So without hesitating any longer, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Greg Walton. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, Greg. Uh, so just kind of tell me a little bit about like your years of ministry, what your title is now, the organization you're working for. I know you've been doing this for a little while. So Sure. Yeah, uh, I served as a parish pastor for 22 years, all in Georgia, and um, served in a little mission church first, right out of seminary, uh, which was a great learning uh, experience. I spent 12 years there. And then I went down to uh, the metro Atlanta area and served 10 years there uh, in a larger church with a full school and uh, quite a busy ministry. And from there was elected as district president. So I served as a district president for the Florida Georgia district of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod for 13 years. Uh, and when I concluded that in uh, August of 2022, um, I pursued uh, working with Daryl Zimmerman at Grace Place Wellness, first of all, because uh, I had used uh, Grace Place Wellness with our workers in the Florida, Georgia district for many years and uh, really believe in what they do. It's not theological. It's really kind of a surface level, but how do you care for self? Um, and that's really a, a, an important thing. Uh, we can get into all kinds of um philosophical arguments about doctrine and things like that. But really, at the end of the day, how are you caring for yourself? And that's what Grace Place Wellness is all about. So I came to Grace Place Wellness in uh, September of 2022. And um, they had, uh, let me give you a little bit of history about Grace Place Wellness. Uh, Grace Place Wellness began in 1999 with Dr. John Eckridge. Uh, John uh, is a medical doctor, now retired, but served in the, the uh, St. Louis area. In fact, uh, one time was one of the seminary doctors, uh, worked with the seminary students and served that uh, community. But what John began to realize as um, in the late 90s was he'd have a lot of uh, pastors or church workers in the St. Louis area that he saw, and uh, he noticed that there were all these uh kind of medical issues that they were dealing with that were stress-related, whether it be cardio, you know, cardiac issues or ulcers or those kinds of things. And uh, he began questioning, and he would start out by saying, well, how are you doing? And, you know, as a typical pastor, they'd say, fine, we're doing fine, you know. And yeah. he'd say, no, tell me, how are you really doing? And some of them would begin to then uh, unfold for him the things going on in their life and in their ministry. And he realized that there was really nothing there to help pastors deal with that stress, Um outside of uh, 
their congregation or outside of a circuit meeting or outside of uh, a district president. So he thought, you know, I need to do something about this. And he put together the Grace Place Wellness Retreats. And uh, he brought alongside Dr. David Ludwig, uh, pastor uh, from North Carolina, who uh, was teaching at Lenore Ryan College. And David is a, a psychologist and uh, began working together to try and deal with these uh, issues among clergy in particular, but also all church workers. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, in 2012, Daryl Zimmerman was brought on board to uh, begin shaping the program of Grace Place Wellness. And he built a program around the Lutheran Wellness Wheel. And uh, it was really a well-done program. And uh, so Daryl then continued the uh, retreat-based ministry up until 2020. Um, And, of course, we all know that in 2020 is when COVID hit. And that put a kind of a kibosh on the ability to meet together. In fact, the very last retreat that Daryl did was in Georgia. And I was on that retreat. And I remember uh, people were learning about COVID at that time. And we were really concerned, but we didn't really know what it was. And then we started hearing rumors that borders were going to be closing down between states and people got a little nervous and anxious. And um, that was the last retreat. During that interim, Daryl worked with the Grace Place Wellness Board and determined that it would be a great time for him to write uh, some books. Uh, He started out by writing a book called Reclaiming the Joy of Ministry, and it was really geared towards ordained pastors, uh, and the focus was on how they can reclaim the joy of ministry by following uh, some caregiving techniques techniques for themselves. He soon realized that he, he this totally missed out on the commissioned ministers of religion, and so he wrote a second version uh, that was uh, based on that, a reclaiming the joy of vocational ministry. Um, and so it was really a, an opportunity to reach out. In fact, that's probably uh, in some ways an even more popular book. Uh, we know that there are faculties that use the book with the the entire faculty and uh, preschools that are using it with their workers. Um, It's really uh, well done. So it's just a way to to maintain how do we help ourselves in stressful situations? How do we help ourselves uh, in in those circumstances? So that's that's a little bit. So then I joined in 2022 and in preparation for Daryl's retirement. And we began to see that the, the needs uh, have changed significantly since COVID, and uh, there's a greater need to understand uh, not only what was and the needs for the worker, but also how does that uh, play into the needs of congregations? And so, for instance, Kirk, we could send a, a worker on a five-day retreat uh, give them some handles, some uh, time to restore and refresh themselves, uh, which was built into that retreat. And uh, and then we send them back. And within a few months, they're right back where they started. And part of the reason is because they haven't changed the environment, the environment that they that that created that stress in the pastor's life or the church worker's life 
remains the same. And so we're now working, how do we change that? How do we change that environment? And we can talk more about that. Well, that's great. So you told me a lot about Grace Place Wellness. And and uh, let me ask you this. Um, is it reserved only as far as you understand? Uh, uh, or is it only serving the LCMS or can people from other denominations or traditions um, reach out and, and seek help? Yeah. Currently, uh, right now, it serves only the LCMS. Uh, early on, it did uh, was Pan-Lutheran. Um, but particularly now with the ownership being with LCEF, uh, we in effect, are part of the structure of the LCMS. And so uh, we have certain bylaws that we are required to follow and uh, we meet those demands. So, well, And I currently. think that helps because you have a unifying um, theological framework that, that at least everyone's, you're not dealing with that in a separate way. So what are some ways that you're getting... Um, just the word out to uh, church workers in the LCMS that this is even available to them. Yeah. Uh, currently, we're working primarily with uh, district presidents uh, across the 35 districts of the LCMS. Uh, also, uh, trying to work with um, setting up opportunities to meet with circuit visitors. Uh, and uh, circuit visitors really have um, a lot of input uh, with their fellow pastors in many places. And so we're trying to work through those those mediums. Also, uh, we've had some presentations at district conferences and, uh, you know, workshops that are available. So things like that for that exposure. Mm -hmm. The primary task, because we are owned now by LCEF, is to integrate with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's uh, LCEF ministry solutions, which are capital campaigns uh, and a clarity, um, ministry clarity process. And so we're building in a component of wellness as uh, we work through these. And if you've ever been in a building program, uh, you know how stressful that can be. A lot of congregational members just don't realize the additional stress that that often places on the pastor or other workers on the staff. And so we want to help congregations become sensitized to that, but we also want to help workers with some handles of how they can not only deal with their stress and manage that, but also uh, honestly make their leadership aware of the stresses that they're dealing with. Yeah. And I think one thing that COVID did do, so my study with pastors happened during COVID. And I think what it, it did was it revealed um, the there's a couple things, the greater need for awareness that, uh, that there is mental challenges and mental health challenges uh, with pastors and church workers. Um, but also that the, the dynamic has changed. You talked about 1999 and, and Grace Place being a retreat oriented. Well, we weren't bombarded with everything 24-7 like we are now and all the opinions. And so and so we really need to look at how do we have strategies for ongoing uh, self-care and, and whatnot. Um, and so that's what I really appreciate about the shift and the direction of what uh, you were doing at Grace Place. So thank you for that. What are some challenges, though, that you're seeing facing pastors and church leaders right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as I started thinking about that, Kirk, there's, there is just a multitude of things. There was a study uh, by Notre Dame a number of years back that found that um, pastors 
really need, uh, according to this study, 64 different uh, competencies in order to do the job. It's just unreal. In fact, the researcher said it's just unfathomable to think that uh, an individual can can really uh, have all those different com- uh, competencies in order to to uh, organize themselves. But when we think about it, you know, uh, as a parish pastor, uh, I served a, a church with a school, and at any given time, I could be calling on somebody who was in the hospital or dealing with a family that just lost a loved one or dealing with a, a a preschool teacher who has got theological questions for their Jesus time, or, um, you know, one of my favorite was uh, we would do a section on baptism and all the children could bring their, their favorite stuffed animal or doll. And we take them into the sanctuary and I would kind of mock baptize them. And, uh, but you know, all those things take time and they are different directions. At the same time, if there was a septic uh, overflow, guess what? Yeah. It came to my desk, right? So so you look at all those different competencies that are necessary, often within just a, a few minutes. Um, it really is a stressful thing. So, you know, I would say um, what, what I'm seeing today uh, in particular um, among some of the top things is loneliness and uh, isolation or alienation. Some of that is uh, in self-inflicted. Uh, some guys uh, kind of pull back and and keep remote. Uh, some of that is because uh, congregations have a tendency to put a pastor on a platform. And now in a community, um, you know, once pastors were a respected part of a community and often looked to for advice, but today that's not often the case uh, in many places. And so the pastor's role is minimized in some places. His role is not as respected as it once was. And so that isolation um, kind of builds that loneliness. Um, I I think burnout is a huge thing since uh, COVID. Um, Pastors have higher expectations placed on them. Uh, There are long hours, uh, never-ending tasks. You know, a lot of pastors I've talked to including myself, I used to love to mow my lawn because at the end of the day, I could look at it and say, it's done. Uh, Even if it was temporary, it was done. But for pastors, a lot of times they never see the completion of the things that they're doing. And so it's very, uh, it's very frustrating. And uh, as I said, it can lead to burnout. There was a statistic that um, Barna reported in uh, 2022 that said, 46% of pastors 45 and under are considering leaving ministry. Now, that's a huge number uh, when you think about that. And there are all kinds of reasons behind that. In fact, Business Week uh, published something a a couple of years ago that said the millennials in our time will hold a dozen different jobs before they're 30. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I, I... my dad, uh, when I was growing up, he had a job and he did that job faithfully for, you know, until he retired. Um, I came into the ministry thinking, this is my life choice. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But that's not the case today. And so um, all those things contribute. Uh, if I'm not happy and if I'm feeling burned out, I'll just find something different to do. Um, I never really considered that option. 
there were times when I wanted to, but I did not. Uh, I, I just, I didn't think I could. Yeah. Um, another issue is discouragement. A lot of our, our, our pastors are discouraged. Um, they're, they're asking themselves, am I really making a difference? Am I having an impact, not only on my congregation, but on my community and, and, and on the faith? You know, is it, is it really uh, making a difference? Um, you think about the fact that even prior to COVID, we saw a decline happening in worship attendance. And uh, COVID really just gave people an excuse to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to lay low, and uh, many have not come back. So we've seen those attendance um, numbers slip since COVID. Um, that has a financial impact, which uh, impacts the pastor's livelihood and his, cons- you know, he obviously he has concerns uh, that, that uh, are very personal there. So, you know, you see that discouragement. I think that there are a growing number of marriage and family issues among pastors. And part of it is back to that financial piece um, where there's just that frustration. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, for a lot of pastors, they, they hide themselves in their, their busyness of uh, their job. And so they don't spend time with their wife or their family. Um, and that has a, a way of pulling families apart. Um, I think there are physical issues that are um, really tantamount um, and not just illness. I think that there are stress-related illnesses that many pastors face, but there's also this lack of physical exercise that um, a 2017 study done by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod found that 75% of pastors are obese, 75%. of those 75 were told by their doctors that they need to lose weight immediately. Less than 50% of pastors regularly exercise. Those are concerning issues because the, the physical body, uh, the mental capacity may be there, but if the physical body gives out, it's they're not, they're not really able to serve well. And so those are some concerns. I think there are spiritual issues um, that really are a challenge for pastors. The same study said 25% of pastors uh, feel that they're too busy to find time for personal devotion and prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a scary number. These are the leaders that God has set in place to help uh, form, you know, formulate people in their spiritual journey. And if we're not if we're not growing ourselves, that's that's a a, a key issue. And then accountability. You know, I think um, you know this as a parish pastor, um, particularly when I was in a mission church. There was really very little accountability. Um, nobody was watching what I was doing day to day, and uh, whether I was just sitting in the office playing games or or actually studying and preparing or or making calls or those kinds of things. Um, I, I think that there is a great lack of um, accountability, and part of that accountability, uh, I believe, really leads to. Um, that feeling of isolation and loneliness. Um, there's nobody there. And we're living in a time when it's so easy 
for us to build accountability. All we have to do is pick up our cell phones or uh, do a Zoom like this, and we can be with other pastors or other people. So uh, I think that's one. Another um, area, and I, I'm kind of rifling these at you, and I apologize, right. but they're, they're, <laughs> these are just the things that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Financial stresses, I mentioned earlier, I think those are huge. Uh, pastors having to deal with providing uh, health care for their families um, while their salaries continue to to be at a static level. Um, And we know that the costs of living have increased significantly. Um, And so, you know, a lot of pastors are reticent to go to their leadership and say, I can't afford to live here, or I can't, you know, I, I need a raise. Um, they, they, there's this feeling, uh, and I experienced this as a district president working with uh, pastors. The, the feeling is they're going to see me as somebody who is um, crying poor or always complaining or, you know, trying to take advantage or those kinds of things, when in reality, uh, they're just not aware of the needs of the family uh, and the pastor himself. So th- those financial stresses are real. And, and you know, I would say that one of the most unsung heroes in all this is the pastor's wife, um, because particularly when you come to financial stresses, often they're the ones that are dealing with trying to make ends meet and trying to provide um you know, family meals and and all those kinds of things, um, and and very often the pastor is saying, "Don't worry, honey, it'll get better. Um, let's just pray about it." And uh, nothing happens, nothing changes, and so there's that stress, and that impacts the marriage and all that. Um, I, I, you know, here are some alarming statistics um, within the LCMS. Right now, there are over 570 vacancies for pastors in the LCMS. So if my pastor is not happy uh, with the way he's being treated, I can almost guarantee he can, if he's flexible and wants to move, he can find a place where they'll meet the needs right now. Uh, Because there are congregations who are just willing to do almost anything in order to get a pastor in place. You know, the other thing that we need to keep in mind is over 200 pastors were retired at the end of um, 2022. And 2023 will probably likely uh, be at that or exceed that number. Um, This past spring, we are two seminaries in the LCMS combined uh, placed 61 candidates. So all you have to do is the math, and you see that we're really struggling uh, at this point. And part of that is um, there's a responsibility on the part of congregations as well. And uh, not all. I, I certainly would not put it all on them. I think pastors also have a responsibility. We we all have heard stories, um, and I could tell you many, about pastors who have blown up a congregation uh, by going in and making demands that are just unreasonable or, or just crazy, um, and congregations just don't know what to do with that. So, you know, it's both sides of that. But, you know, th- there are some really uh, huge issues right now in pastoral ministry and struggles that they're dealing with. 
Well, some of the challenges with those pastors who are at retirement age and want to retire is they know the shortage and they know the the lack of ability to for their position to be filled. And often that makes them stay in the ministry maybe a little longer. And uh, maybe they start, you know, being bitter towards the ministry or just tired in the ministry. Yeah. And then that's not necessarily helpful either. So um, definitely uh, challenges people see in their own personal life that inflation is affecting them often um, because of how uh, uh, egocentric we are. We forget that it's actually the pastors being impacted just as much. And yet now tithing's being reduced because that's the first thing that goes is, is, is to the Lord, you know, which is, we could talk about that for a long time, but we won't. Right. Like it's a whole nother issue. But that's but that's the that's the issue. So obviously, we know that there are many challenges in the ministry. Uh, we can we can go on and on, and, and there's a lot of work on that that's been done over the years. Yeah. You mentioned physical health. Uh, Duke Clergy Health Initiative did a lot has done a lot of work on the physical health and how that impacts the mental health. Uh, and mental health of pastors is definitely fragile, and we have a more of awareness right now. One of the challenges that I find is twofold: is that is that pastors aren't willing to admit or recognize that they actually need some help when it comes to their mental health, and church members um, aren't willing to to think that their pastor needs help, uh, you know? And so what are maybe some things that that pastors and church members and church leadership can do that might help them understand the shift that needs to happen so that we can have, uh, you know, pastors with better mental health and um, churches then that can flourish better because their pastor is, is leading well? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we saw with the Olympics when uh, the gymnasts stepped oh. out because of mental, there's a stigma that is still attached to that. Mm. And um, I was speaking with a uh, one of our counselors uh, the other day. We were in, in a similar discussion. And he was saying that one of the, the things that really inhibits pastors is um, if, if their members happen to see their car in the place of a counselor, then, you know, there's, they're done. They're, they're, they're considered, Oh, something is wrong. The pastor is mentally ill or whatever. Um, I think, you know, this is one way that pastors can privately um, be in a counseling situation and uh, help with their mental health issues by talking with somebody via zoom. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, that's a critical issue. Um, congregations need to realize that their pastors also are human and that they have feelings and the, those feelings can be hurt, that they're also broken human beings who are redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I think that that is really a, a, an essential piece. One of the most helpful things Kirk, that I did, um, I advised one of my pastors when I was a district president uh, who had blundered, and um, it, it became a congregational-wide kind of thing. And I said to him, here's what I'd like for you to do. Uh, on Sunday, when you stand before the congregation, I want you to, to admit what you what you just shared with me, that that you messed up, and you understand that, you recognize that. I want you to confess that to them. And then I want you to say, and what I would ask you as my congregation to do is, is pronounce God's absolution on me. Hmm. And when that congregation 
did that, when they actually spoke the words of absolution in the name of Jesus, forgiving sin, um, it makes us cognizant of the fact that we too are sinners and have received this forgiveness. And how can we withhold forgiveness from our pastor uh, who made a mistake um, when we would not want that for ourselves? It, it just changed the whole dynamics. And I think it's so important that we understand that that it's not just the pastor who has the power to offer forgiveness in the name of Jesus, but we as members of the body of Christ also have that responsibility to forgive each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, a pastor being able to be that vulnerable with his congregation and, and seek that forgiveness, first of all, it helps them under, it helps the congregation understand He's just like us, you know, he's, he's, he's just like us. And number two, um, it shows them that, you know, there's, there's another side to our pastor. He's not just the professional who's there on a Sunday morning, but he also has real life struggles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I think that's a lesson that, that congregations need to continually learn. Yeah. So some of the challenges with that, um, you know, we talk about the wellness wheel. I think it's centered in the identity of who we are in Christ. Correct. And, and some of the challenges I find uh, a lot of times with pastors, and I've even struggled with this myself is, is, is my identity as a child of God or is it as a pastor? And, and I, and I always am constantly being brought back to go from the Holy Spirit to go, no, you're, you're my child. That's what's most important is I'm a child. Right. Uh, of the king redeemed by grace, uh, you know, confirmed in the baptism of that he has given me. And so um, I think often too with congregations, right, that's the other challenge is, is lo looking at their, their pastor as another redeemed child of God and not just the pastor. Right. Um, so I like that you gave that advice and I'm glad that the congregation did it because <laughs> that, that's powerful. It, it, it really, you know, it just changed again, the dynamic of that. What, you know, uh, I, I forgive me. I can't remember the order of service, um, but in the new hymnal, the it's not new anymore, I guess. But the you know the Luther Book of Worship, there is a, a setting where the pastor says, "I uh, I confess to you to the congregation." I remember when I first saw that, thinking, "Wow, that's that's kind of bold." Um, but now, I, I mean, I, I value that that order. Because it's saying to them, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. I am a sinner, and I need you to hear that." You know, I, I think it's harder for pastors to admit that they're not perfect. Um, we're always the advice givers. We're always the ones who are, you know, looked at as the biblical expert. Um, I remember on Vicarage, um, I was at a member's house uh, for I think it was for a Christmas party, and they wanted to do biblical trivia. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, don't get yourself into that situation because, you know, this was one of those uh, Old Testament, you know, just remote questions, and I had no clue. Right. And and I thought, what, what are these people going to think, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know what? You know what they thought? They thought, He's human, <laughs> you know, and it, but it's harder for us to forgive ourselves than it is for people to, to look at us as human. We just need to give them the opportunity to do that. Yeah. It's funny. I'll have people ask me, you know, what's that verse that talks about this? And I'm like, you know, I, I, 
I can find it for you, but I can't tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> Give me <Right>. some time. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, one of the guys I was talking with, another pastor, is we, we've become um, kind of a, a Google search engine for people because I'm like, you can look it up. I get questions all the time. Like, you can look it up as easily as I can. <laughs> but I think they they want the validation that the pastor says this is this is something good and so i have to go through you know we go through all that sifting through what's correct cuz not apparently not everything's right on the internet so i didn't realize that <laughs> <laughs> so what's something that you think that church members could do today um that would help the pastors and their church leaders uh, just have maybe have more personal satisfaction maybe have more optimism for the ministry is there something that they could do well i i do think um awareness is is really a key um aware that the pastor uh is human and uh struggles you know he's not always going to be um in a, a great mood so i think awareness is a, a big piece of that i i encourage um church members to pray for their pastor uh, regularly but also to pray with their pastor i i can't tell you how moving it can be when a pastor's when a when a, a member says uh, uh sunday morning after the service hey pastor let me pray with you um it it is in, it, it's incredible I, I i was blessed in my my ministry to have people who did that who came alongside and prayed not only for me but with me mm -hmm. um it, it just it really is a, a touching thing i also think um, members should constantly be aware of trying to create an atmosphere of trust uh, and vulnerability, which comes from, you know, I'm going to be more vulnerable with you if you're vulnerable with me. Um, so I, th I think that there is that, um, but there has to be that air of confidentiality too. And uh, knowing that they can trust uh, and trust that anything that they say um, so, you know, if I go to a, a member's home on a Friday night for dinner and we have a couple of beers and, uh, you know, we, we, we're just laughing and having a good time, um, I need to know that that's not going to be taken out of context um, and thrown up in my face um, or I'm made to feel like I'm playing favorites or things like that. I think, you know, being able to, to understand the nature of the relationship um, and the vulnerability uh, is really an important thing. I, I am one that does not believe um, what some guys believe is true, that you can't have friends in the congregation. I think you have to have friends in the congregation or you're not going to survive. Um, but I also think you have to have boundaries and you have to understand. Um, and because they are friends, they have to understand. And you have to be clear about that. I think it's it's okay to be upfront and honest and say, look, uh, I love you as a friend, but we, you also have to understand that I serve the whole the whole parish, yeah. and um, that's that's just the reality. We may disagree on certain things, but that doesn't mean I don't love you as a friend, you know. So I think being able to be that vulnerable, um, I would also say that if members can be aware of signs of stress or burnout, um, and it, it just being able to say, Pastor, is everything okay? Um, here's what I'm noticing. You know, it's it's okay to do it in general, um, but to be able to be specific. I noticed when you said this, your you know your inflection was was here, or your face made this, or your body language. Um, there are signs that are there 
And I think oftentimes those signs are missed um, or ignored. Um, like, well, it's not my problem. I, the elders will deal with that. But it's really up to each individual to say, hey, here's what I notice. Is there something I can do to, to help unburden you uh, at this point? So I think those are some things that I would suggest. No, I mean, I think that's good because you're challenging church members just to pay attention. I mean, you know, it's one of those things as pastors, we have to challenge ourselves to pay attention to different countenance of people when they walk in. And and it'd be nice if, if that would happen for us. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the friendship thing. That's a hot topic with, with pastors. You get, you know, uh, three pastors into a room and say, can you be friends with congregation members? And you'll get three different answers, right? And so it's one of those things where... I was doing a conference in uh, in Louisiana in October, and it's you can feel the tension when I go over this part because interpersonal relationship skills has to do, which is part of positive mental health, has to do with that trust and that confidentiality. Absolutely. And so one of the analogies, I don't know if it's good or not, that I like to give uh, people is that, well, my wife is my wife, but I'm also her pastor. Right. And so, you know, and and so you can have that 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 balance. Um, and there's certain times where where my wife and I recognize, okay, right now in this moment in this conversation, I'm taking on the pastoral role, um, right. but but that's not who I am all the time with her, you know. Thank goodness. Um, and so I think that we can do that. It's a little more work. It's a, <laughs> but you mentioned isolation and accountability. But when we don't have that willingness um, as the pastor, I think the pastors need to lead sometimes in, in this because I have a friend here at the church who who I told him, hey, we can be friends. And he it took him a, a while to realize it's it's okay for him to be a friend with his pastor. Right. Um, but yet there's still those moments where obviously, I mean, he called me a few months ago, hey, I got to come talk to you about something, something was going on in his house. And that was definitely a pastoral role. But I feel like, and this is just me ranting for a minute, but I feel like when I have that relationship with people, I can actually minister to them in a more effective way because they know I love them and I can speak directly into their situation. It doesn't feel general like you were saying. So, right. I, I No, I, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, let me just go one more step, right. Kirk, if I may. And that is, I really strongly encourage congregations to put together a congregational wellness uh, support team. Um, I think that it, this is not the elders. This is not the leadership. Uh, may There may be people on there, but I think this is a specific group uh, selected by the pastor or the worker um, who can help them maintain, um, who can be aware of the needs beyond just the pastor, but also in the pastor's family. Um, you know, how is the pastor fitting into the community? This is uh, essential when a pastor takes a call and is new to a community. Who's the one that tells them, you know, where to shop and, you know, where to take their car for a mechanic or, you know, where they go to a dry cleaner or whatever it happens to be, just those mundane things that help them become integrated into a community. Um, but but beyond that, in an existing call, to have a committee that says, Pastor, we're going to go to the to the leadership and tell them that you need a, a raise or that your benefits are not sufficient. Um, to be able to say, you know, uh, Pastor, are you getting exercise? Um, I had a, uh, a member who uh, was a, a fellow member at the YMCA, and on Sunday mornings, he, he'd say one of two things every Sunday. He'd say, didn't see you at the Y this week, Pastor, or 
Good to see you at the Y this week, Pastor. Um, but it was an accountability, right? I mean, so I knew that that was coming. And if I hadn't been there, um, you, you know, so you understand what I'm saying. I think that having people that can um, really monitor, uh, Pastor, have you gotten your physical exam? You know, our congregations uh, provide insurance uh, for our pastors to varying degrees. I understand that. But regardless, um, as part of the insurance package, uh, there is a physical exam that can be done annually at a very minor cost, or in some cases, no cost at all. For us not to take advantage of that is poor stewardship. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, uh, it, it can save so much time and agony later on. If there's something that is going on in my life physically that I may not even be fully aware of that is uncovered, it can really, because that, that does impact um, my ability to, to serve a, a, a parish. Yeah. Um, so we want to make it, make sure that those things are available. And I think that a, a, a church worker support team or wellness committee can really help to do that. That's great. So um, just kind of lastly, wrapping up, in your experience, what are some tips maybe you can give pastors that would help them with their positive mental health? Um, I would say make sure that you're taking time for devotions to be in God's word, um, either alone or together. I I really encourage um, pastors to form an accountability group, whether it's within the congregation. I actually was part of a group in my last parish where we meet on Tuesday mornings at 6.30, and it was like five guys, and we'd share life, we'd read scripture, we'd pray together, um, and um, there was nothing beyond that. You know what I mean? It's it's not like, you know, they were, uh, let's get them on the board, or let's do this or do that. This was really um, completely uh, apart from that. Uh, but I've also been part of um, Zoom huddles where, we, you know, we've gotten together with other pastors. And the thing that I think COVID gave us as a benefit is this ability to Zoom that, frankly, I did not recognize prior to. I know it existed, but I didn't use it uh, the way that I could. But now I could get together with classmates from the seminary or guys that I served with in a circuit in a prior call or buddies that I've learned to, to know. In fact, um, I still get together with some of the other retired COP guys um, from other districts um, regularly because we have this venue that we can, we can actually talk face to face. Wonderful opportunity to build in accountability, to be able to share uh, my heart and my concerns um, so that the stress does not build and I'm not carrying it all myself. I would also say, you know, um, make sure that you're getting exercise. Um, you know, Terrell Zimmerman used to have this phrase, walk like you're late. Um, I call it my airport walk where I'm, I'm constantly walking fast, gets the heartbeat up and it's good for the, the, the uh, system. Um, make sure that you're eating well. Um, that you're not just consisting on junk food. I think too often we're so busy, we're running from place to place, we pick up something on the way, and and I was guilty of that for many years. Um, I think we have to we have to be thoughtful about how we eat and what we eat. I also think that sleep uh, is huge. Make sure you're taking your Sabbath, your day, your time off, but make sure you're getting sufficient sleep. 
Um, so many of us try and burn the candle at both ends, and particularly in a season like Advent or Lent, uh, but you you got to be very careful. So set a regular schedule for sleep. Um, it, it's essential to your overall health as well. And then very practically, Kurt, the last thing is make a date night with your wife each week. Just make a time that you're setting aside for her. It, just make that a priority. Those are some practical tips. Well, that's great. And Grace Place Wellness has a podcast where you talk about how we need to keep our wives happy and how important that is um, for the ministry. And, and speaking from personal experience, God's blessed me with a wonderful wife who loves the ministry probably more than I do. Um, and and uh, so just having her there, supporting it, understanding it is great. And one thing you said uh, that I just want to key on as we close is, is this idea of share life. It's been a mantra of mine for several years that, that when we share life with other people, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be this intentional. We're going to study the Bible. Let's share life, especially when believers are together they're going to talk about Jesus Christ because he is our life. Right. And so, um, and there's, and there's going to be moments where, yeah, you're like, you're saying you're having a couple of beers, just having fun, but there's going to be those moments where you get the phone call and said, Hey, my kid's going through this. Can I come over? Um, and, and you're trusted and, and you, you know, that that's effective for them. And so, I mean, sharing life, I, I mean, I look at Jesus and, and kind of, and even if you go back to the beginning before the fall, um, uh, God was just walking in the garden with Adam and Eve and, and Jesus was walking with his disciples. I'm sure, um, not everything was this, this sermon that Jesus was doing. Uh, he was hanging out with them. And so I think it's really important for pastors to look for ways that they can just be with people and look for those opportunities. Sunday mornings are great, but I find a lot of ministry opportunity happens outside of Sunday morning and through that relationship. So, I, you know, a phrase that somebody shared with me, and I honestly don't remember who shared this, but um, God has, uh, let me see if I can think of it the right, the right way. Um, there is always a season. You may only have a season with people, but never without a reason. Hmm. Um, and so everything is a preparation for something else. And it may be in your current situation. It may be in a future situation, but God never wastes an opportunity. And so the relationships, the people that he brings you in contact with, um, they, they are incredible gifts that God has given you for some reason that you may or may not ever understand, but they're, they're there. Mm -hmm. And, um, so take advantage of it. Don't don't brush it off and say, well, I don't have time for that. Um, God has brought these people into your pathway for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And as we recognize that, we may not fully understand it at the moment, um, but it, it's just amazing what we learn and how much we, we gain from that. So taking that time doing life together is so incredibly important. Well, wonderful. Greg, thank you so much. Uh, a lot of what you said is so insightful, and I appreciate the work that you're doing at Grace Place Wellness and using all those years of ministry experience to, to really inform how you approach uh, the, the ministry that you're doing at Grace Place. So I just I just want to thank you. I look forward to other conversations with you uh, because I think you have a lot to offer, and I know that uh, you want to be used as the Lord would see fit uh, to to help the church, especially pastors and leadership, um, because we are um, struggling, as as you said, at least 
and it's not just our denomination, right? There's, we see this over the board as that Barna report, uh, mentioned, uh, that the 46% under 45 have considered quitting. And again, we can go into the demographics of, of how those under 45 are more aware of their mental health than, than those over because of the awareness of the time. But we, we're going to cut that short. So anyway, um, so I just want to thank all who are watching. Again, please like, subscribe, or share. You can check out uh, Pastors Pozumel Health Institute at ppmhi.org. And again, thank you so much. Together, we can help the church flourish. Amen. All right. Thank you, Greg. Amen. Appreciate it. And bless your uh, your Christmas as it's coming up soon. Thanks, so. and you as well. Will do. Thank you. We'll talk all right. soon. All right. All right. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.